You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to First Peter. We're going to take just a little bit of a break from Acts. I want to talk this morning. I've entitled this sermon, uh, Victory Over Our Trials. Victory Over Our Trials. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 3 through 6. We're going to look at several other scriptures as well, but this is going to be our main, our main uh, text. We had an incredible, incredible trip. Um, our main purpose was to go and, and preach and encourage the pastors who are on the front lines of ministry, doing ministry in places where persecution is real every single day. They're on the front lines of ministry. Uh, They're doing ministry in a country that is not friendly to Christians who believe in one God and who are obedient to the Great Commission. If you're a Christian that doesn't believe in the Great Commission, is not obedient to the Great Commission, you're just happy, satisfied with us four and no more, just kind of small-minded, I'm, I'm happy that I'm saved, I really don't care about my neighbors. Uh, in India, you're safe. It's a safe place to be. But if you proclaim there's only one God and you tell that to other people, that's when, you can, that's when you're in danger. That's when you will face persecution. In one of our meetings... Um, as I stood to walk towards the pulpit, I almost lost it emotionally. Um, I'm thankful that it was only about five steps from where I was sitting to the, to the area where I was going to be preaching. Uh, because if it would have been 10, I think I would have backed out. I'm telling you the truth. I, the reality of what I was about to do, and this wasn't the first time that we had spoken in front of, of preachers. This was the third time we'd already done it. And, but something, it, it hit me really, really hard at that moment as I began to walk up to the area where I was about to preach that these 55 pastors, many of them brought their wives, um, these guys face persecution every single day. Um, and doubt, as I stood up and began to walk, doubt consumed me. Fear consumed me. Um, the, the thought of who am I to teach these guys the Word of God? And as I got to the area where I was about to preach, I opened up the Bible, and it will take me longer to express what happened to, than, than what happened. But as I opened up the Word of God to preach, I was going to be preaching from the Great Commission. As I opened up the Word of God and I looked at the Word of God, God reminded me, of the power of His Word. And at that moment, my fear, immediately my fear was extinguished with confidence. Confidence just flooded my soul. God reminded me that that you're not preaching your opinions. You're preaching the all-sufficient Word of God. At that moment, God reminded me that you're not preaching the latest fad tips and tricks on successful pastoring. You're preaching the inspired Word of God. And with that confidence, I was able to preach what God had laid on my heart to those men. I believe it was a trial that God taught me 
so much in that moment, in that short moment, in those five steps, fear and worry and doubt and lack of confidence just uh, overwhelm me. But God showed me so much. See, God's word is truth. It's powerful. Uh, our, our opinions aren't. Uh, our ideas aren't, but God's word is. This is no matter where you live, what your circumstances are, no matter what your age is, no matter what your, your social status is, God's word is powerful. And this morning, I want to share with you from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, on how we can have victory over our trials. How we can have victory over our trials from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Listen, we face trials. We, we, there's nobody that is immune to going through a trial. We're, the, the old saying is this, you're either in a trial, you've just come out of a trial, or you're about to go into a trial, That's, or a storm in life. That's just the reality of the life that we, that we live in. We're all going to go through them. But listen, we do not have to fall in them. We do not have to succumb to the fear and the worry and the, and the doubt and everything that comes with the trials. We can have victory. And if we will, listen, in our trials, if we will trust in the Word of God, if we will lean heavily on the Word of God, listen, we can have victory in our trials. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. The Holy Spirit moves the pen of, of Peter, that one apostle who's, who's always speaking before he's thinking, right? Before before the ascension of Jesus. But here he is filled with the Holy Spirit. He's writing. He's giving us this instruction. Listen to what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Underline this next phrase, verse 6. You rejoice in this. And if you want to write, if you want to mark up your Bible, just, just draw an arrow up from that phrase. You rejoice in this. Everything that Peter has just said, that's the focus of our rejoice. You are rejoicing. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. Father, speak to us through your holy word this morning. God, teach us. Teach us the, the power of your word. Will you show us? Will you reveal to us? how powerful Your Word is, that no matter what trial we are going in, no matter what circumstance that seems unfair that we find ourselves in, even if it's a circumstance that we caused, God, I pray that You would help us to see how we can have victory through that trial by, by trusting, by leaning on Your Holy Word. Father, we thank You. It's in Your Son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen. Peter gives us this instruction, and he is right in the middle of persecution. This is not some, some idea that Peter is throwing out there to this 
this group group of of Christians, he is living it. He is right in the middle of it. As a matter of fact, he will be killed by uh, the Roman emperor Nero, uh, who he is under at the moment that he is writing this. I want you to, I want to point out just a couple of things in this text. I want you to notice what he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's, he's pointing to the source God, our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the the source of our hope. But watch what he says. Because of his great mercy, because of God's great mercy, he's going to give us three things that we can lean on. Because of his great mercy. I want to encourage you here to write down these three things. Take notes. If you take notes in your Bible or find a piece of paper, take notes. The old saying is this, that a dull pencil is sharper than, than the sharpest mind. Dull pencil is better than the sharpest mind. Take notes. You'll be able to remember it a lot better. Listen to what he says. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth. We have been born again because of the mercy of God. God has provided a Savior for us. Remember what mercy is. Mercy is God removing something from us that we deserve. The Scripture tells us that because we are sinners, we deserve death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the mercy of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, right? The mercy, we have, by, by God's mercy, we have been given new life. That's the first thing. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the de- uh, Jesus Christ from the dead. That's not the only thing. Because of His mercy, number two, watch this. And because of His mercy and He has given us an inheritance that is imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfading. And here's the best part about this inheritance. It's kept in heaven for us. Listen, it's not in a piggy bank that we can rob when we're spiritually dry. It is kept in heaven. This, this inheritance that God has for us is kept in heaven. Listen, I, I don't know what all that inheritance is going, to be, is going to look like. It's eternity with God, and that's good enough for me. But listen, here's what I want you to see. God paves the road, road with gold. The gates are, are pearls. I, I, don't, I don't know what his inheritance looks like, but if, but if pavement is gold, then our mansions are pretty sweet. You following me? This is because of His mercy. He has given us an inheritance. Our, our God, our, our Father, has given us new birth. He's given us an inheritance. But not just this new birth and inheritance. Because of His great mercy, we are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And you might be going through a trial and you're saying, man, listen, I don't, I don't feel very guarded right now. Listen, I want to tell you, you are, if as a child of God, you are being guarded. You remember Romans chapter 8, verse 38, that says this, there's nothing in this world that can take you out of, the, out of God's hand. You are safe and secure in God's almighty hand. There's nothing that can take you out of His hand. You are being guarded. Let me ask you. I want you to think for just a second. Was was Stephen guarded 
by God when he is being stoned right outside of, 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 the, of the city gate? Absolutely. Absolutely. As he is being stoned, as he is right before he dies, he looks up and, and is as, as, as if heaven opens up. And Stephen prays that same prayer that Jesus prays when he's on the cross. God, do, do not hold this against them. Forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Was Jesus being guarded when he was nailed to the cross? Still going through a trial, no doubt. A gruesome, brutal trial, but yet he was still being guarded. Listen, I'm telling you, as a child of God, no matter what trial you find yourself in, you are being guarded by God. Notice what he says here. Verse 6. You rejoice in this. We don't use that word except for in church. You, you take delight. You celebrate in this. What is the this? The trial? No, no, no. You celebrate in the mercy of God who has given us new birth, who's given us an inheritance that is safe and secure in heaven, and He is guarding us. This is what we rejoice in. This is the focus. Here's Peter writing to a group of people who are underneath Nero's rule, this wicked emperor Nero who is going to persecute hundreds if not thousands of Christians in a brutal way. And Peter's writing to them, Listen, our focus is not in our circumstances that we are going through or what possibility might come to us, what probability might come to us because of our faith. Uh, we rejoice in the grace that God has given us. I think sometimes, listen, I think sometimes that we get so spiritually impoverished that we can't focus on an inheritance because we're spiritually dry and dead and we need something today. You, you, know, you know when people are in, in poverty, deep, deep poverty, what little they have, they guard with their life. I mean, they, all, all they might have is just a, a, another shirt to wear. But they guard that with their life because that's all they have. But if you was to ask them, listen, will you, will you give me that shirt? Will you invest that shirt for just a moment, for, for maybe a week or a month, and, 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 and I will give you a hundred shirts? They won't do it because they're afraid of losing that small little bit. I believe sometimes we're so spiritually impoverished, we're so spiritually poor that we can't rejoice in inheritance in heaven because we need something right now at this moment. I believe sometimes that's what drives our, our struggles with God's Word. And if it doesn't speak to me today at this very moment, I'm, I'm just, you know, God's not speaking to me. Listen, spending time in God's Word is an investment that will pay dividends Weeks and months and years down the road. Oh, many times, yes, it does speak to us at that exact moment of what we are going through. But most of the time, when we spend time in God's Word, we are investing in something that will pay dividends later on. Peter's saying, this is what you rejoice in. This is what you take delight in. And here's where it gets hard. We might even get a little testy at this. 
He doesn't say you rejoice in this, you know, when, when life is rainbows and sunshines. Sunshine. Oh, you, you definitely rejoice then as well. He says, we rejoice in this even though, this is a key phrase, we rejoice in this even though now for a short time, if necessary, watch what he says, you suffer. What? Like, Peter, are you saying to me that, that I rejoice even when I'm suffering? Peter would say, yes. Yes, you're not, you're not rejoicing in the, in the suffering. You're rejoicing in the grace that God has given you. You're rejoicing in the new birth. You're rejoicing in the inheritance. You're rejoicing in the protection of God as you're going through the suffering. Even though now for a short time, if necessary, you find yourself in grief of various trials, you rejoice in the mercy of God. Listen, being a Christian, being a Christian isn't promised life absent of trouble. If you've been a Christian for very long, you know that very well. Being a Christian is an assurance that we don't have to go through trouble absent of God's presence. There's a big difference. Being a Christian isn't living life absent of troubles. It is an assurance that we can go through life not absent of His presence. Listen, God's presence in my life is greater than any trial in my life. God's presence in my life is greater than any trial in my life. Let me share a couple of scriptures with you that proves this out. 2 Samuel 22 verse 2 says this, The Lord is my deliverer. Listen, no matter what trial you find yourself in, you can proclaim this truth. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. Psalms 18 verse 2 says this. Psalm 23, we know this one. The Lord is my, say it, shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I love the CSV, CSB translation that the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Listen, when the Lord is your shepherd, there's nothing like, like no, nothing, nothing trumps that. And no matter what trial we go through as Christians, listen, listen, we can rejoice in that. We can celebrate in that, that the Lord is my shepherd. And a shepherd always walks in front of his sheep, guiding them and leading them where they can go. Lord is my light and my salvation, Psalm 27, 1 says. Psalms 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. The Lord is my refuge, Psalm 94, verse 22. Psalm 118, verse 7, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my portion. It's, it, the Lord is my life is what that means, portion. Psalm 119, verse 57. Zechariah 13, 9 says this, the Lord is my God. Hebrews 13, verse 6, therefore we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Oh, listen, when we go through trials, if we will lean heavily on God's Word, we can have victory over our trials, even if we have to walk through them for an extended period of time. We can still have victory in our trials. 
But I want to give you three sources of trials. This is where a lot of confusion comes in, is the source of trials. What is the source of my trials? I believe all trials come in one of these three pockets, three sources of trials. The first is this. We live in a fallen world. The first source of trial is this. We live in a fallen world. Turn over to to Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 uh, through 18. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can follow along on the screen. But Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. You're familiar with the story. This is right after after Adam and Eve have eaten the, uh, the fruit in the middle of the garden, and they have hidden from God. God finds them. God asks them what they have done, and God is punishing them for disobeying Him. And God says to them, your, your punishment, here in verse 17, he says this, you will eat, let's see, no, he said, back up, he says, the ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. The land will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. And so we live in a broken world. From the very beginning, after the fall, our world has been broken. Can you imagine if, if Adam and Eve, some of you farmers would, would really like this. Farming would be easy if it wasn't for our fallen state, right? It, it would just, all you would need would be harvesting equipment. You wouldn't need planters. You wouldn't need to spray weeds. Uh, sorry, Duke, they wouldn't need pumps. It'd just grow. It would be pretty sweet. True organic would be a reality, not just a marketing plan. It would really be organic. But because we live in a fallen world, many things happen to us and to our loved ones that is completely out of our control. Now listen, it started there, but we can see how it's just continued. Our world is broken. And things happen to us that are completely out of our control. Brokenness, listen, is no respecter of persons. Everybody will face seasons of brokenness. Sickness happens. You didn't do anything to, to, to deserve it. It just happens. It comes on us. Tragedy happens. There's just there's story after story that I've heard in life of just people going through tragic situations. There's nothing that, that they did. It's just... We live in a broken world and tragedy happens. Hurricanes, tornadoes, floods. What's going on in South Texas? Droughts. There's nothing you could have done to, to control that, but it, but it comes against us. And those are trials that we face. Trials come to us because we live in a broken world. Death happens. Life is often unfair in our understanding of fairness. Listen, sinful actions of others can come against us and we We reap the fruit of somebody else's sinful actions. There's nothing that you did, but just something that they did caused harm to you or to someone that you you love. It's because we live in a broken world. Listen, when those things happen, and it causes us to ask that question that is oftentimes it's, it's it's an answer that that many times doesn't help a family when tragedy happens. There's no, there's no answer to, to why other than God, only God knows. God is 
completely in control. We live in a, we live in a broken world. There's no, there's no answer at that moment for a family who's going through trials that will, that will make them feel better. And we must know that when those things happen, when those trials come, we can have victory through those trials when we do what Peter is saying to us in our text, we rejoice even though for a short period of time we suffer grief. We rejoice not because of the trial, but because of the mercy of God. We rejoice because we've been given a new birth. We rejoice because we have an inheritance it's kept in heaven. We rejoice because we are protected by God. That's the, first, that's the first source of trial. The second source of trial is persecution for following and being obedient to Jesus. Persecution for following and being obedient to Jesus. And this is the context Peter's writing in. Both the Apostle Paul and Peter will die under the rule of Nero. This is what Peter is writing. This is the context that he is writing this, this letter in. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12. Here's Jesus. He's preaching what's called the, the Sermon on the Mount. He's preaching to these, or he's teaching these new disciples, these, these baby Christians, if you will, these 12 apostles and all those that are within earshot. Matthew chapter 5, listen to what Jesus is saying to them. Blessed are those who persecute you. And here's the key word. Because of righteousness. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12. Blessed are those who persecute you because of righteousness. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Persecution is when we experience hardship and ridicule and oppression because of our faith. Here's what he's saying. Blessed are those who face that because of righteousness. Listen, if your righteousness, if you're following Jesus Christ, you being, you're making decisions because you want to be right with God causes you to be ridiculed, here's what Jesus says to you. You are blessed. It might not feel like it because it might feel like you're going through the trial of trials. You might feel like you're the only one, like everybody has left you. Here's what I want to tell you. God's not left you. And God is saying this, because of my mercy, you can rejoice. That's what Jesus is saying. Look at what he says in verse 11. You are blessed when they insult you and they persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Listen, if you're, if you're students, this is huge for, for you, and it, but for, for all of us, Peer pressure just isn't for teenagers. Everybody's going through peer pressure. But listen, if your friendship circle gets smaller because of your faith in God, listen to what Jesus says. You are blessed. That's for all of us adults. 
Listen, if our, our faith draws a line in the sand and we're like, man, listen, I, I want to be, I want to stay right with God. And, and if I walk over that line, I won't be right with God. I won't fall out of relationship, but I'll definitely fall out of, of fellowship. Listen, if I'm going to stay on this side of the line, that means I, I lose friends, or maybe that means I have to change jobs, or maybe that means I have to, I have to lose a financial resource. If, if that's what it takes, listen to what Jesus says. You are blessed. God's, God will honor that. God will bless you because of that. It might not seem like it in the moment. Jesus says, God says to us, because of my mercy, oh, you can rejoice. You can, you can celebrate in this. You can delight in this. He goes on in verse 12, be glad and rejoice. Because why? Your reward is great in heaven. Listen, there is a payday coming. There is a payday coming in heaven. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Listen, the prophets who were before them, they spoke God's word and it separated them from people. They lived with integrity and it separated them. But there is a reward for them that they are experiencing at this very moment in heaven. So there's persecution, trials. There's, we live in a fallen world, trial or trials that come from living in a fallen world. And then the third, this is a hard one, but it's consequences of our own sin and choices. We face many trials because they are the consequences of our own sins and choices. This is hard because Jesus can forgive us for our sin, but He doesn't always remove the consequence. And I'm glad that He doesn't. You know, there's scars in our body that... I have one on my right hand. I was about 17 years old. And uh, a bunch of guys, we were out, and um, there were some glass panes. And uh, we thought it would be cool to see who could bust through the most glass panes um, with one punch. And, uh, and I, I, I was never one to back down from a dare. And uh, even though my buddy was like 10 times, I mean, I was like 105 my senior year in high school. I was scrawny. I, was, I, was, uh, I, I could hide behind a flagpole. I was just skinny as can be and not strong whatsoever. But yet, you know, guys do stupid things. And I have this scar on my right hand that reminds me to never punch a glass pane. Uh, I think I, I had like, um, like 17 stitches. It seemed like it was the same year of the age that I was. So that scar is a reminder not to do something stupid. And consequences are a reminder for us often to not do something stupid that we have done in the past. So listen, forgiveness of our sin. God forgives us of our sin, but often He doesn't remove the consequences of our sinful behavior. There are several biblical examples of this. Think about King David for a moment. King David who had the affair with Bathsheba and, and who got pregnant because of that affair. God forgave him because for, for that affair, but that child died. Even though God forgave him of his adultery, child still died. Think about the repentant thief on the cross who asked 
for Jesus' forgiveness. Jesus granted him forgiveness, said, uh, this very day you will be with me in, in paradise. But listen, that man still died on the cross because of his, of his sins. His consequences still, still had a penalty because of his consequences. Listen, our consequences of our sins should never push us away from God, though. Listen, our consequences should always draw us to God. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is found in Luke chapter 15. Starting in verse 11, it's the story of the prodigal son. It's a powerful story. The son was knee-deep, literally, in the consequences of his sin. He was homeless. He was hungry. He was hurting. But he finally came to his senses. He remembered the mercy of his father. He remembered the loving kindness of his father. The prodigal son remembered that, that the, the employees of his father were treated better than what he was being treated. He came to his senses and he thought, man, if I, if, if I could just go back to my father and just ask if I could have a job as, as one of his employees, maybe he would, maybe he would allow me <coughs> to work for him. Look, Luke chapter 15. If you've not heard the story, if you've not ever read the story, sometime this afternoon read it. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. Read to the end of the chapter. I want to pick it up in verse 15. Here he is, the prodigal son. Then he, the prodigal son, went to work for one of the citizens of that country. He had already blew, blew all the money that his father had gave him. The citizen of that country sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. This guy must have been a pretty brutal mean boss. Watch what he does. He longed to eat his fill. This is the prodigal son. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. The guy that he's working for won't even let him eat the scraps from the pig's food. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, I love that phrase. When the prodigal son came to his senses, in other words, he's saying this, my consequences have got me in trouble. And I'm telling you, it wasn't the first time that he had realized that, but he kept going back. He kept going back to his sin, kept going back to his sin, kept going back to his sin. Finally, the light bulb went off and he came to his senses. He says this, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and he went to his father. But while his son was still a long ways off, oh, watch this, his father is looking for him. His father is waiting for him, just like God. God is waiting for us who have run away. He is waiting for us who have just continued to fall in our consequences over and over and over again. So he got up and he went to his father. And here's his father while his son was still a long way off. His father saw him and he was filled with compassion. He ran. The father threw his arms around his son's neck and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Then bring the fatted calf. Listen, they're about to have a party. <laughs> Bring the fatted calf and slaughter and let's celebrate with the feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. So 
they celebrated. What a beautiful story. What a beautiful story of forgiveness. What a beautiful story of one who had just got tired of just the consequences over and over and over again. Listen, no matter what the source of your trials in, trials are, no matter what the source is, you can have victory by remembering the mercy of our Lord and Savior. Just like the prodigal son remembered the kindness, remembered the mercy of his father. Listen, no matter what the source is, you can have victory by remembering the mercy of our Lord and Savior. Listen, because of His mercy, He has given us new birth. Listen, if you're a child of God, we should celebrate that. That ought, to, that ought to set us on fire. Because He's given us new birth. We are a new creation. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 is. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have gone and have died, and look, behold, the new has come. We're no longer that old person. Mercy of God, He's given us new life. Because of His great mercy, we have this inheritance that is kept for us in heaven. Because of His mercy, we are being guarded by God's power. This is what we rejoice in, even though we're going through trials. And you say, man, maybe it doesn't feel like very, it doesn't feel short. It feels really long, this trial that I've been going through. James tells us that our life is like a vapor. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Our life is so short. You know, an, an atom is one, an atom. I want you to think about this, an atom. It's one billion times smaller than the thickest human hair. If you were to place a timeline, an atom on the timeline of our life, and compare it to eternity, it is an atom on top of an atom on top of an atom on top of a thousand atoms atoms. That's how small our life is compared to eternity. If we could get that picture, that's what Peter's trying to get us to do. Focus. Focus on what God has for what He's already given us, new birth. Focus on the inheritance that God has given us. Focus on the protection that God has given us, even though we're going through a trial. And when we do this, listen, you can have victory in your trials. Listen, have you experienced the mercy of Jesus Christ? Have you? Then walk in victory in your trials. But if you haven't, if you're not in a trial, you will. And you don't have to, you don't have to die in that trial. You don't have to be consumed with fear. You don't have to be consumed with worry. You don't have to be consumed with doubt. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ gave His life for you so that you could have eternity with God in heaven and so that you can focus on that when you go through your trials. Because if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I urge you, I plead with you, do not leave this place this morning. Give your life to Jesus. Surrender your life to Him and say yes to Him. Listen, you don't have to know about tomorrow. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. I'm telling you, if you will take that first and come down to the aisle and talk to me or with Logan. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ will take care of the rest of it. I promise you He will. I've experienced it personally. I read it all throughout Scripture, and I've seen others do the same thing. Give your life to Jesus today. If you have already, listen, I, I plead with you. I urge with you as well. Don't let your trial destroy you. 
Don't let your trial cause you to make more decisions that just put you in a death spiral. Trust in Jesus. Rejoice in the mercy that God has given you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.